0: Hi, this is Chris Date, and you're listening to the The Apologetics Podcast, episode 60 No More, One More Chance. Well, this episode contains part two of the universalism debate between Turret and Fan and Jason Pratt, and as is usually the case in part twos, um, I will not give any sort of monologue or play any promo material. But what I will do is recap uh, the events so far. Um, in the uh, in episode fifty nine, in part one of this debate, I introduced Jason Pratt and Turret and Fan, Um and uh, Turret and Fan began his opening statement affirming that some people will not be saved from their sins according to the following passages in their contexts, 2 Thessalonians 1, 9, Matthew 25, verses 41 and 46, Matthew 18, verse 8, Romans 9, verse 22, and Jude 1, verse 6. After Turret and Fan's 30-minute opening, Jason Pratt gave his 30-minute opening statement, re- denying that, uh, that statement, at which point Turret and Fan had 15 minutes to rebut Jason Pratt's opening argument, and Jason Pratt had 15 minutes to rebut Turret and Fan's opening argument. So that was the first hour and a half, approximately, of the debate, um, and that was where we left off last episode, so now let's move right into part two of the debate, uh, which is the cross-examination period. No! Okay, now we move into what I think is the most important and most enjoyable part of any debate, the cross-examination period. And uh, as was Turret and Fan's prerogative, he has chosen to be questioned first. And so, Jason Pratt, you may begin with your first 10-minute questioning period to ask Francis Turret and Fan your questions.
1: Okay, let me move my little thing here. Um, I remember you saying something about Romans 9, uh, quoting Job somewhere. Do you happen to have that handy?
2: Uh, I, I, I don't have I, did it, a little,
1: I don't have it right in front of me
2: but I can pull it up for you very quickly. Okay. Uh, what was it? Uh let's see.
1: Was it job 3313? Uh t- t- I vaguely recall him having something to do with the potter and the clay too, but I don't remember where exactly. And and if you want Chris you can edit this out the search uh, Let's see. I tried to find it while we were on bright but I um, came up a little short. Uh,
2: yes, I believe that uh, the uh, yes, the ra- the formed out of clay, in Job thirty-three, six, and. Uh, uh, Job thirteen twelve your remembrance are like ashes your bodies to bodies of clay. Yeah, one
1: more second.
2: But I think thirty three six is the the more key one because of the context. Mm-hmm.
1: That's the speech from Elihu. Okay, Elihu. The context is, um, he's he's shown up the three guys have finished their. Um, they and Job have finished their debate, more or less, and they're kind of taking a rest. And Elihu is a young man who shows up, apparently he's heard some of what's going on, and he summarizes the three guys' case. Uh, this is the second chap, at least the second chap, yeah, second chapter of that. And it says, However, now, Job, please hear my speech, listen to my words. Behold, now I open my mouth, my tongue is my mouth, speaks. Uh, my words are from the uprightness of my heart. <clears throat> Excuse me. My lips speak knowledge sincerely. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the life gives me life. Refute me if you can, array yourselves before me and take your stand. Behold, I belong to God like you. I too have been formed out of the clay. Uh, let's see in a little note here, so, or cut out of the clay. Behold, no fear of me should terrify you, nor should pressure weigh heavily on you. Surely you have spoken in my hearing. Uh, what's, what's the context of this that you think is, is relevant to Romans 9 there?
2: Uh, well, the idea of, uh, the idea of the person being formed from from the clay. Is that it? Yes.
1: Okay. Um, all, all right. <laughs> uh, because I, I remember when I was going through the, the other four selections, I, I went into a lot of contextual... Uh, examination of those verses to try to give an idea of how they connect with romans nine there's various topical overlaps but maybe you'd want to ask me about that in the cross exam uh, but I, I wanted to give you a, a shot there at uh, explaining how job connects to that and why that's a better uh, why that's a better reference than the other four which you can still do if you want
2: well i mean the the only other the only other reference in job that's that that seemingly re- relevant, and perhaps I, I, I should have referred to this rather than to the, the chapter 33. And if you need additional time uh, to make up for no, this, uh, feel right. free. No, that's fine. Is in Job 4, where he says, shall mortal man, uh, starting at verse 17, shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants and his angels he charged with folly. How much less in them that dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust. Which are crushed before the moth, and then that the later reference in thirty-three uh, kind of makes more sense as formed from the clay, uh, connecting back to
1: the same Job four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that have uh, what does that have to do with uh, rebel Israel exactly?
2: It doesn't have to do so much with rebel an- Israel as with the impudence of man claiming to be more just than God.
1: Okay, but the other things that I came out with also reference that right
2: uh well i i, I, I can't recall them <laughs> dealing with the impudence of man in the other passages
1: well, let's see well there was uh a, well i don't i don't know if i need to answer that now because that's that may be better for you to ask me in cross examination i don't okay. want to take away from you on this uh but make an, you might want to make a note and come back to that on me on that so let's see Oh, I was going to ask, did the the context of Job 4 talk about uh, uh, God shaping the potter so forth and so on like that?
2: No, the – no. Okay.
1: Let's see. I'll go back through my notes here. Oh, do you want to go ahead and, and um uh, I'm gonna give you a chance to unpack some in uh the Gospel of Matthew on eight uh the uh eighteen eight portion, uh the parable of the sheep and the goats, and give you a chance to to explain how the the sheep there are only certain people and not other people.
2: Okay. So uh when you say Matthew eighteen eight, there. Well, I know, the I know
1: that's that was my key to, to do things, but I know I know it's uh, further down than that.
2: Well, Matthew twenty five is the sheep and the goats. Uh, uh,
1: no, it's the parable of the hundredth sheep. That was uh, in the uh, same scene of Matthew eighteen eight.
2: The, oh, the hundredth hundredth sheep in. Uh, that's
1: a uh, verse twelve. I, okay. Eighteen twelve
2: and and what did I, you uh what was your oh, question for me about
1: that i was going to let you explain a little more about how contextually that only refers to certain people and not to other people it only refers to some sheep but not all the sheep or something like that
2: no no uh, it it's uh it's referring to these uh it's referring to the sheep
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the uh the 99 sheep, the 100th sheep is the one that's uh, being that's particularly in mind here, of the 100 sheep that the man has. And this delight over the 100th sheep is, this, is compared to the delight of the father over one of these little ones, uh, referring back, from, that's verse 14, referring back to one of the believing uh, in verse
1: 6. So that was the, the least of his flock, I guess you could say.
2: And, and, and specifically that it's his will that none of, that, that, uh, it's not his will that even one of these would perish. So that, uh, it seems to imply that this perishing is the, is the alternative referred to in verse eight and nine as far as everlasting fire and hellfire.
1: Mm-hmm. That,
2: that was the connection I was making.
1: <clears throat> the, uh, I know it says somewhere else in the scriptures that, uh, God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to salvation. Uh I've been looking around to try to find that. I'm pretty sure I recall that maybe in one of Paul's epistles.
2: You might be thinking uh, of second Peter 2. I'm not sure.
1: Maybe let me take a look. I was wondering if you'd even heard of heard that. I might be misremembering it.
2: Second Peter two, I guess it's maybe. not Second Peter two. Let's see.
0: One minute left. Oh yeah,
2: Second Peter three. That's that's what you're thinking oh, of. Oh, there we I go. Suppose?
1: Let me let me hop over that. Oh, that can't be Second Peter three. You know this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. Yeah, verse nine. Oh, verse nine. Uh, I was thinking three three. The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count promises, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any perish, but for all to come to salvation. And <clears throat> but in but uh, so you wouldn't contrast that with the with the uh 100 sheep context there where because i think your point there seems to be that the uh in the case of the 100 sheep god is talking about he's that he's only concerned about some people coming to salvation namely those in his flock
2: yeah i think this the hundred sheep that he's that he's interested in are the same uh the the same us that that It's referred to there in 2 Peter 3, 9, when it says, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise. That's the same promise that's talked about in Romans 9. As some men Mm -hmm. count slackness, but long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that, that's the any or all refers to the, the us. Uh, so that's the same, in the same way as he universally wills the salvation of his sheep in, uh, in, and, and Israel, which is all one group, uh, there's universal salvation within the group, but that doesn't mean there's absolutely universal salvation for all humanity.
0: Okay, um, I went ahead and let, and, and I, I'll ask this of you guys um, moving forward: Is it okay if, when if the questioner ends his questions right at the end of the ten minutes, can the responder go ahead and answer beyond the ten minutes? Is that okay?
1: Absolutely. Okay. Because
0: yeah. I, I went ahead and let that go over ten minutes.
1: Yeah, I saw that coming up, but I thought I would like to give him a chance to do to sure, that. Sure. Sure.
0: Okay, turret and fan, are you ready to begin your ten minute questioning? I sure am. All right, go ahead right now.
2: All right. Uh, with respect to Second Thessalonians one nine, the, mm-hmm. the the passage that that uh, that particular verse says, "Who shall be punished with." This Ionian destruction, which the King James translates "everlasting," uh, other translations seem to use a similar term, from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. It seemed to me that the argument you're presenting relied heavily on understanding Second Thessalonians one as having an allusion or reference to Isaiah. Uh, was that was I correct?
1: Yes, in, Isaiah two.
2: What was your basis for understanding 2 Thessalonians 1 as having an allusion to Isaiah 2? Uh,
1: Much the same as the basis was for the previous thing, the previous verse talking about uh, quoting Zechariah and that the Lord is coming with his flaming angels. But the phraseology is is very similar there. Which
2: phraseology Uh, in particular?
1: Yes, right. Uh, The phraseology, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Uh,
2: Okay. And that's similar to the specific phrasing in Isaiah 2 verse, uh, which Mm -hmm. verse was that?
1: Yep. Let me pull it up. It's uh, Isaiah 2.10 and Isaiah 2.21.
2: Yeah, uh, in my, in the translation I have for 210, it says, enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty, which I guess is similar to glory of his power.
1: It's the, it's the same principle in the, in the case of Isaiah two there, the Lord is coming in flaming judgment and, uh, Verse 21, I think, also has a similar phraseology, before the terror of Jehovah and the splendor of his majesty.
2: And that one says, for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he ra- rises to shake terribly the earth. So, uh, based on that similarity of expression, you understood this to being, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction, uh, is an, has an allusion back to that. And then in... If I follow your argument correctly, in Isaiah, the punishment that's mentioned uh, admits of repentance after the punishment. Is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes.
2: So if, in fact, uh, Paul is not alluding back to Isaiah or not borrowing the, the theme of Isaiah, uh, then that argument would not hold. Is that correct?
1: Insofar as I would not be pointing to a specific quotation, uh, similar to him quoting Zechariah previously about coming in the flaming fire, Uh, in that particular case, that would not, that would be true. Of course, if there are other evidences in the Old Testament to the effect that after punishment, even punishment to the death, there will be repentance and restoration, then the general argument could still be made. But if, if he isn't referring to Isaiah 2, then I can't use that as a specific example of it.
2: Okay, and the, within Second Thessalonians, is there any reference, within uh, the, the epistle itself, is there any indication that these uh, people, these troublers, have the opportunity of repentance after the Ionian destruction?
1: Nothing comes immediately to mind. I'm doing a double check pretty quick because it's a short text. At the moment, I think I can fairly say that I don't recall anything else in here to that effect. Okay. So the question turns on an allude on whether Paul is alluding to something that was testified to happen in the Old Testament, and, and okay. what the context of that are.
2: All right. The moving on uh, to the the passage from Matthew 25,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, in this passage, the the sense that you would give to Ionian. For the, the fire or the uh, the punishment, what what sense would you give to that to that term in that passage?
1: that it comes uniquely from God, just like the life. it will last as long as God intends for it to
2: so and the the basis for saying that the, the word means that it comes from God, is that? Are you saying that's what the word means, or are you saying that that's just uh, that's how we would uh, that's how we would understand it? This gets into
1: other... well, and this gets into a a much larger question of tracing the uses of Eonian in the Greek in the New Testament and in the Greek Old Testament than the Hebrew behind that. Uh, there are times when the word itself does not refer to things that have a have a beginning or an end like God, but there are times when it refers to things that do have a beginning and do have an end, or have a beginning but no end, but ha or have a begin or have a beginning and an end. Uh, since the term itself is not intrinsically something that can be pointed to that every single time it's going to mean never ending then either the context has to determine what the usage is on its basis or since every time it's used it does involve the question of something coming from uniquely from God then i would recommend using that as the as the uh translation of it and there have been some other people who have, who have come up with that too
2: the uh The the, the etymology of the word itself doesn't have any connection to God. Is that correct?
1: The the etymology of the word itself would literally mean agey, like ageish. That's literally what it means in Greek. It's it's an adjective of eon. It it doesn't have anything to do with God, but neither does it have anything to do with an ongoing, never-ending time. It only means pertaining to the age. But I'm willing to allow that it can actually mean something like eternal. Uh, I know that there are a lot of universalists who insist, no, 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 it only means pertaining to an age, and it only means that age. Uh, well, okay, I can, I can kind of understand that, but I also sympathize with non-universalists when they say, well, you know, there are other places when it doesn't really mean pertaining to an age, like, for example, Eonian God. God's not only the God of an age, and not only that age. <laughs> so, I have seen some clever arguments along that line, but I, I wouldn't accept those. And I'm not trying to promote that now. I'm actually trying to avoid getting into a, a real close etymology on the word because it's going to lead to the to the notion that the word only means of an age. And I don't think that holds true in every case in the New Testament. Uh, so I'm not sure if that we, helped answer your question.
2: <laughs> perhaps. I- you had made an argument with respect to a different word, and I'm jumping now to your argument about Jude 1.6. Aedios. And that, yes. Yeah. And uh, with respect to aedios, you had, I, I I may have misheard, but it sounded as though you were arguing that that word may actually be derived from, the, have an etymology in which the name of God is, is part of the word. Is that, yes. was that, did I miss that? That's
1: one possibility, yes.
2: Wouldn't, would that assume some kind of Latinization or, or something like that? Or, or how would you know? No, to- because
1: the Greek word behind there, deos, actually comes from, uh, some type of Mesopotamian word from which we also get the word day. One minute? Uh, right. It's, uh, we're talking about, uh, the, uh, it doesn't really, let's see how can i put that actually i think the most commentators actually agree on that point even people who aren't non-universalists that's the that's the only way they can get an eternal out of that word is because it refers to high it's a it goes back through uh the greek to high high sun basically <laughs> or high day star uh but it's a it's a term for high god uh, except as an adjective so um now, you know, if you want, if it would be better to go with unseen, I'm certainly glad with that. But I was trying to make provision for it to mean uh, how to show how it got to mean eternal by metaphor, or or at least ongoing in such a way.
0: Okay, that's. I suppose. I'm um, sorry, yeah, you're, you're going to have to wait till uh, the next period, Turret and fan. Um, so Jason uh, you will have 10 minutes to ask questions again of threat and fan beginning right now yep
1: <clears throat> the um, I believe you said in the rebuttal to the uh, Matthew 188 portion let's hop back over there for a minute it seemed like you might be saying that you thought that the even though theoretically it was it was okay to, to go ahead since it's the same scene being reported in two different gospels that you, you weren't really sure how to understand uh, the uh, the way that being salted with the fire the unquenchable fire relates back to uh, Matthew 188 and, and you thought that there wasn't any con any really connection between that uh, do you want to expound on that a little bit well to the
2: extent uh, my argument was that to the extent that being salted with uh, unquenchable fire is a good thing then the that that connotation seem w- would seem extremely out of place with respect to a comparison where where entering into this fire it is something more horrible than uh, severing a hand, foot, or even an eyeball. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, seem, it seems as though that <clears throat> the comparison is that this is something horrible and then for, via verse 14 that it's, it's perishing as right. opposed Mark, to something positive.
1: Uh, Mark reports the same thing, doesn't he? Uh, I mean, he reports the same warning about cutting off the hand and plucking out the eye.
2: I, I don't, uh, I, I'm pretty I, sure it's I don't, parallel I'd love there. to have it in front of my eye. I, I'd love to have it in front of me, and I don't have that passage pulled up. And, uh, which, uh, Mark 9? It's Mark
1: 9 versus, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, versus uh, Mark 9 versus 41 and through it, uh, well, 49 and 50, but then leading into that. I believe that's the same parallel, isn't it? For whoever right, right, gets. Okay. Okay. Uh, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble be better for him to be most stung. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for your for you to enter life crippled and so forth. Okay. Okay. So uh, <clears throat> we have uh we have a case here where where Mark is repeating the same warning, and then immediately goes on after repeating this warning. To say that for everyone will be salted with fire, as Jesus goes on there, uh, this is the same fire, right?
2: Oh, okay.
1: Okay, agree with that. Well, and,
2: I, I mean, I'm I'm following what you're saying.
1: Okay, it's the same fire that he's warning. You know, be careful about. You know, you'd rather be doing this than to be thrown into the fire. But it's saying that everyone will be salted with fire. It's the same it's grammatically. I, I think. It, I think there isn't really any argument here that there is grammatically the same fire. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, I was just checking to see if you agree. Who will be salted with the fire? With that Uh, same
2: fire. Yes. Yes, the... uh, The sense of who would be salted with fire—it says uh, the—you know, obviously, literally, it has just the, the single word meaning all, which which the King Con, James there yeah. has everyone, but yeah—and it's referring to those who are uh, those who are going to that to that place where the worm doesn't die, and, the,
1: and so the, the people uh, being salted with fire are the ones going to the place where the worm doesn't die, and so forth yes okay and is salting a bad thing or is it a good thing
2: well the uh, so the salting and salt uh, salt salt is good and uh, if the salt doesn't have doesn't have saltiness wh- where will you season it with is is the yeah so uh, and then they the uh, the solution wa- is have salt in yourselves and have peace with one with another.
1: The salting of?
2: Well, it doesn't say ha- the salting of. It says have salt in yourselves.
1: Okay, but salt is good and have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Right.
2: Salt is good. Right.
1: Right. Uh, and... Do you get salt by being salted?
2: That's one way, I suppose. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the only way.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Do uh, so you think that it's possible to have salt without being salted?
2: Well, or le- let's let's put it this way: There's, it's possible for there to be more than one way for something to be salted. In other, in other words, there could be those who are salted as he describes it in themselves or salted through the the fire
1: okay and what and when they're salted through the fire, what does it say happens there if if they have if they're salted through the fire, then they have salt in themselves right
2: Well, I think you are saying a, that there's other ways there's to a be contrast. Salt. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, well, okay. Uh, but there's a okay. There's a contrast. We'll go with that. Uh, so you can get salt in yourself by not being salted with the fire, or you can get salt in yourself by being salted with the fire. But the end result is salt in your having salt in yourself. Yes.
2: I wouldn't that right? call that the the situation where you have salt as a result of the fire having it in yourself. In other words, sort of a uh... Uh, I, I would have understood this in yourself, being referring back to be, being a reference to a uh, not externally imposed salting. In other words, you need you, you don't want to be one of these salts that lost your saltiness and need to be seasoned. What uh, happens
1: if you're if you're seasoned by the salt? By the fire? Well, if you're seasoned, if you're seasoned, then you become salty again. If you've lost your seasoning, it's like falling from grace and then, you know, if you, if you fall from grace, then what happens? How can you be saved? Does God lead us back to repentance and being just and kind to one another and, and making us righteous? I mean, that comes from God, right?
2: No doubt that repentance comes from God. and right. Yeah.
1: Okay, so but if we if we become unsalty, or if we're born unsalty, then the only salt, the only way we're going to become salting salty is to be salted by God. Is that right? Yes,
2: although, although a lot of that uh, you know application of the metaphor isn't isn't really here.
1: Well, that's true because what's what's there on the text is that everyone will be salted with fire, or all will be salted with fire. There's no yes. distinction.
2: There's no distinction in the word "all." Obviously, that's the nature right. of the word it's "all." It's
1: not distinct. It's not distinguishing between the elect and the non-elect, or whatever. Well, not it in be itself.
2: referring specifically to the reprobate, you know, the ones who are in that place where the fire is not quenched.
1: Okay, but they're going to be salted with the unquenchable fire.
2: Right.
1: Right. And then they will have salt in themselves once they have been salted.
2: Well, you, you, they, you they've keep become unsalted.
1: Well, they, would you say that they're unsalty to start? At some point, they've either become unsalty or they were born unsalty.
2: I'm I'm quite sure that this uh, this reference to salt doesn't get into that uh, that use of the metaphor. One minute. But,
1: okay. Well, all right. I think the next thing I would do would probably take longer than one minute, so if he wants to go ahead to transfer over to his thing, that would be okay.
0: Okay, Turret and Fan, uh, you now have ten minutes to begin your questioning.
2: Okay, I'd like to pick up where we left off in terms of the uh, – Idios
1: in idios yeah. or a-edios, aedios, whichever one it is. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, well, it's kind of unclear whether it's idios or aedios or both. Maybe there's rabbis can have puns like that, and they're using the same word that means two different things. Well, <clears throat> but,
2: in this case, it would mean. What's the other alternative besides it meaning eternal? or
1: the other alternative would be that it means imperceptible, invisible. And there is a lot of contextual evidence in that reference that would indicate that.
2: Okay. Well, speaking of contextual uh, reference, the the very next verse uses the, uh, the term, the, the, uh, just the Sodom
1: and Gomorrah and the cities around them. Uh, yeah, they so, were undergoing so we... the punishment of eternal fire and that one is Ionian.
2: Yes. Right. And then, uh, what, what aspect of this, the fact that it's angels or, or what aspect would, would lend itself to an understanding of invisible?
1: I did talk about that in my main argument. Hold on a minute here. Actually, what I talked about was during the rebuttal. Let me go back to my notes. <clears throat> okay this text is um jude and second peter have a lot of parallels with them they're kind of synoptic text uh, whether that's because jude was transcribing things for peter and decided that this sounded really cool and he write his own letter on it or whether they were just both inspired to say the same basically the same thing, whichever way. Or or maybe I can hardly imagine Peter was decided he was copying down stuff Jude was saying and decided to run with it. But either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, it is a parallel text. People have noticed that for a very long time. That the second Peter in effect is an expanded version of the epistle of Jude. Uh, in Second Peter two four It is let me pull that up
2: the chains <clears throat> of darkness or pits of darkness
1: mm-hmm yeah hold on yeah, it's we're we're basically this is one of those parallel parts where they're talking about the same thing, using many of the same words. And phrasings. Uh, that's why it's regarded as a synoptic parallel of text. Uh, similar to the synoptic gospels, they'll use the same words and phrases sometimes and telling the same stories. Um, which probably means that they're both getting this from somewhere else and both are using it in their text. But at any rate, so God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into Hades. That's the term there, which means the unseen. That's literally what that means. And committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. Uh, again, the uh that's the same parallel here to one six. Uh the angels did not keep their own domain and got thrown down into darkness. Uh the same thing is shown down in a little bit later in 2 Peter. Uh no, excuse me, it's actually a little bit later in Jude. Jude 13. He repeats the same point that uh, these teachers uh, he again uh, compares them to wandering stars uh, for whom the black darkness has been reserved uh, into the eon so uh, the phraseology of these parallels in second Peter and later in Jude itself would indicate that probably here we're looking at unseen something imperceptible uh, idios since that is one way that the word can be translated. But it may also mean both things. It may be idios and also ideos. I, I, I acknowledged that when I was going through there. Uh, but if I had to choose only one, I would go with the one that, that fits the uh, the contextual parallels later in Jude and then the parallel back over in Second Peter, which has to do with being unseen and, and being in darkness and that sort of thing doesn't specifically there talk about them being Ionian bonds.
2: Okay. Now, the I, the term Ionian doesn't have this same possible meaning of invisible. Is that correct?
1: No, the term Ionian does not have the same possible meaning of invisible. That's true.
2: Do you agree that Ionian generally has a durative sense? It tells something about the duration?
1: Uh, It tells something, it can tell something about the duration.
2: Can you think of any case where it doesn't say anything about the duration?
1: I can think of several cases where it says about the duration that it's not never-ending.
2: That's uh, that's not quite my question, though. That's true. How How about a situation where it doesn't have anything to do with duration at all?
1: Offhand, I cannot recall any examples of Ionian that... Could not be construed as having something to do with duration. In every case that I can think of, it has to do with something that could that would be something to do with duration. Okay. Uh, even Jonah, yeah. for example, that's you know that was a, when he was talking about how he had he had been in the belly of the sea monster for three days and nights. He was using Ionian there as a duration for those three days and nights.
2: Okay, and uh, would that be an would that be your uh, an example of one that you would uh let's let's move on to your the the other point which you raised which was uh that sometimes it refers to something that definitely has an ending uh, mm-hmm. w- w- what is the sense of the term in those cases and let's i guess let's address the Jonah case separate from the i think you raised a, a usage in Habakkuk about the hills that shake uh, these uh, eternal hills or everlasting hills that, that are going to be destroyed, destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. in effect, yeah. So what does the term mean in that case? What's the sense of the word in that in that? The context? sense
1: of the word in that case would be that either they're talking about the hills having come from God especially, or if we're talking it could also be a sense of the hills have gone on, have continued for a long period of time.
2: Uh, so that it, it seems, so that, that it seems,
1: are... maybe so that it seems like it goes on forever, even when it really doesn't.
2: Or, uh in other words, the 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 hills from that that have existed from a forever. Would that? Be oh, really? Another? I'm, I'm
1: not sure. I would. I'm not sure. I would be prepared to say that as a supernaturalistic theist, <laughs> that the hills have indeed lasted forever, but came to an end. <laughs>
2: from from forever
1: i wouldn't be prepared to agree with that i don't think that the hills have gone forever back into time without end
2: i understand that days. there's there's of course there there may be uh let's turn over to to the use by jonah for a second uh in in that case uh, i would you uh, again uh would you say that, that that means simply from God, or would you have some other uh,
1: me some other Jonah. meaning attached to it? I want to take a look at the specific wording.
2: And I think it's Jonah 2.6 is the one you have in mind
1: the earth with its flowers was around me forever i think that's it uh, let me see fifty-seven, sixty-nine. one minute yeah that's mm-hmm that's i think that's the term
2: okay and, and how would you translate it forever or would you translate it some other way
1: uh, in that case, I would translate it, well, I can't translate it forever because the context indicates that it clearly wasn't forever. Uh, however, from God doesn't really fit very well there either. Uh, although, on the other hand, the earth with its spars was around me from God and God had put him into that situation. That could be translated that way. Uh, it wasn't a very long time because it was only 3 days and nights. So in that case the, the most that I could do would be to say that it would either be translated that the, that the earth with its bars was around him maybe physically in a, in a sense forever or it might have felt like it was forever. Uh, or it might have been the case of the earth and its bars was around him As a result of what God had done, that this was God's punishment of him, similar to the bonds, actually. Okay. uh,
0: I'm sorry. I I thought maybe you were done.
1: No, that's okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah, we may have to pick up on that in the next round.
0: Okay. Um, I'm going to start the timer now for your ten minutes, so go ahead, Jason.
1: I've got to mentally shift my gears back. (laughs) All right. Let's see here. (laughs) Gonna go mess around on something else here instead of back to where I was. I think we've hashed over the fire by as much as that's gonna go. Uh, I noticed in uh, Romans nine that uh, when you're talking about. The vessels of destruction being born with much patience, endured with much patience. Uh, you did, I think I remember you saying that you did acknowledge that, uh, the patience there was used elsewhere for, um, to mean that, uh, it's, it's the kind of patience that God is waiting for, for, uh, salvation. Is that right?
2: I th- well, I, I made the connection to the the reference where, where we are taught to treat that patience of God, this forbearance of God as, uh, as a sort of a form of salvation, where it's an opportunity for salvation.
1: But in this case, the vessels of destruction don't actually have that opportunity for salvation, despite well, him enduring I- with much patience.
2: I mean, from a human perspective they have that opportunity that from the potter's perspective, clearly they don't yeah.
1: uh, are there any other times when that term macrothemia is used in the New Testament to mean a, a situation where god is is enduring something with much patience uh, sinners with much patience uh and having much patience towards sinners that doesn't have anything to do with salvation
2: i I cannot recall such a circumstance. I, I didn't i didn't prepare for that uh that particular that, piece a question in advance i apologize
1: no that's a, i believe me i understand <laughs> there's a lot to cover <laughs> um I, I did look it up I, I i just for what it's worth when I was looking through my New testament concordance on that term i i didn't find any other examples there may be some old testament ones maybe uh, not occur to me offhand but that doesn't mean they're not there um, in the case of So this is, and God is enduring these vessels fitted for destruction uh, with much patience uh, in, a, in a fashion that's very different from uh, the fashion from Romans 2, uh, the beginning of Romans 2, where he's talking about, uh, do you think lightly of the riches of the kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance and so forth. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's um, a,
2: there's it's a, it's used positively other places. No, no doubt about
1: it. Yeah, <clears throat> but you don't think that it could be being used positively here?
2: It's being used uh, in in a as sort of a qualify a qualification. It's not all gloom. Uh, f- there is a time where God forbears. And then other verses in Scripture, they're told. You remember Jesus says they have their reward, you know, these hypocrites, they have their reward, it's just that it's here and not in the life to come. There's there's good things that come to the reprobate as well as to the elect, but they're not the same blessings.
1: Mm. Hold on a second. Oops. Hang on a second. Let me check my time there. Um, In the case of the other four things uh, that I referenced in Romans nine regarding the allusions, uh, did any of those? Did you think any of those were improper uh, allusion options that they couldn't possibly be referring to what's what Paul is talking about here?
2: Well, I can't. I, I, I'm afraid I can't. Uh, I can't instantly recall what those other four options were. The one, uh, the one that that you mentioned from Jeremiah particularly uh, struck me as as a very different type of scenario, a, a remaking of the a vessel that's marred in the hand of the potter. Uh, as a kind of a very different scenario from the scenario of. In other words,
1: the, he destroyed the, the. He destroyed the. The pot, the vessel, basically.
2: He destroyed the the vessel that was marred in the hand of the potter. In other words, while he is making it, the potter makes a mistake, remakes it.
1: Uh, I see. And
2: and that's the the description in Jeremiah. But that's not not what we're describing here. These are uh, pots that are made for a specific purpose. One made for mercy, the other for destruction.
1: Do pots typically? Is that? The, do pots ever hold anything? Yes. Yeah. Are do pots are? Are there examples in scripture of pots pouring out anything?
2: Pouring out? Is that what you mm-hmm.
1: said? Yeah.
2: I can't specifically recall anything except maybe ashes. I'm trying to remember. More water, I suppose.
1: Um, I remember there's. Places in the Revelation, for example, where uh, the pots are pouring out destruction, in effect. Uh, Mm. So, but this isn't, you don't think this could be a case of where the pots are, some of the pots are made to pour out destruction, and some of the pots are made to pour out, for the purpose of pouring out mercy.
2: No, I I think... I think that would be hard to reconcile with the complaint that saying, why Why did you make me this way? Uh, one being for honor and the other for dishonor. Well, it would be hard to view the, the, the fact that something is made for the purposes of pouring out destruction as somehow dishonorable. For, to take an example, Jehu is, uh, you know, received great honor by destroying Ahab's entire family. And God rewarded him with four generations of sons on the throne for that destruction. It wasn't a dishonorable thing. Uh, but, but what's dishonorable here is the, is the, the end of the, of the vessels. You know, th- these are, uh, you know, Vessels for dishonorable purposes, or, you know, maybe a chamber pot or something like that.
1: Yeah, the, the analogy is probably to something like a chamber pot for carrying crap, <laughs> to be blunt. <laughs> uh, and for taking that, of course, you know what a chamber pot does. You poop or a pee in it, and then you take it and throw the stuff outside, and then you go back and kind of do it over again. But you don't destroy it. You, In fact, after a while, you ritually clean it if I recall correctly, because otherwise you don't have a kosher household.
2: Well, the, the clay pots, it, because you couldn't safely wash them, if I recall, you oh, had right. yeah, yeah. to destroy them, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. So in the case of these uh, clay pots fitted for destruction, there will come a time you would say that uh, they won't complain about having been made that way.
2: It it doesn't say here that they will come to st- to stop complaining. Uh, some, I know some, uh, if you want to call it traditionalist viewpoint, p- people seem to think that eventually everyone will worship God, even those in hell, and others insist that rebellion will continue and, and possibly even expand in hell. One minute. So, we I- may have to, We may have to come I'm, back to that I'm topic
1: the... in a minute, but go on.
2: Yeah. I mean, I suppose that, that 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 that's an interesting topic, kind of a little different topic, Uh but uh the punishment, unfortunately, as is this Ionian punishment. So,
1: the reason I'm asking is about Romans nine twenty. There, uh, he's saying the thing molded will not say to the maker, molder, why did you make me like this? Will it? Uh, so the the concept there seems to be that they shouldn't be complaining about being made that way.
2: Right. Yeah, they, they so ought the, not. The so reprobate
1: really shouldn't be complaining about being basically elected for permanent eternal conscious torment. Right. Is what you're saying. Correct. We may have to come back to that topic. Yeah,
0: that's that was ten minutes. And so uh, with that... Um we'll enter into the last ten minute period of cross examination with Turret and fan asking Jason questions, and you have ten minutes beginning now
2: oh all right so uh with respect to this o- old Testament uses of words that ended up getting translated and using uh, Iona, uh, Ionion, the right. uh, the example of jonah two six uh, as one the uh, my, my limited understanding of the Hebrew, uh, ori- original, I, I would, uh, I would assume you agree with that there's a Hebrew rather than a Greek original with respect Correct. to Jonah. Yes. Or excuse me, Jonah. Uh, that one seems to be a, a word that means sort of out of mind, like in other words, for, forever and not, uh, and not from God or, or something similar to that. In, the, yeah, as I word. pointed
1: out, the the original Hebrew underlying word there has to do with uh, the horizon line. So that would have something to do with a a a physical extension, I guess you could say, and then that would metaphorize into that which goes on to the horizon or beyond the horizon. It depends on which word is being used.
2: And in other words, it, it has that derivative sense.
1: Yeah, it has that derivative sense. Or durative so, uh, sense, excuse me. So in that yeah. case, yeah, I mean, yeah, you'd have to say that there was a durative sense involved in that. I agree. So, in fact,
2: in Jonah two six, we might take this, I mean, in English, if I was talking and I said I was down there forever, uh, and then I- in context I explained that it was actually three days, then you would understand that I was using a word that literally means forever, but I was using it in a figurative way as a hyperbole.
1: Actually, it's kind of the other way around. Literally, the word means that there is horizon over there and that has a specific terminus, but that it goes up to that point or beyond it, which is a pretty far distance. Uh If it goes beyond it, then that would be an indeterminate distance beyond it, but it doesn't necessarily have to mean forever. It's taking of that image and putting it into a metaphorical use is how people get to the idea that it means forever. And And that usage is is used that way. There are times when that usage is used that way, like in Habakkuk, when he's talking about God being truly y- Olam. Um, well,
2: I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the... Uh, of course, the I, I don't believe the King James Version inspired or anything like that, but I'm just looking at, at its translation frequency for Olam, and it, it appears that it's translated as ever or everlasting or old or perpetual or evermore or ancient or always... Most of the virtually all of the hundreds of times that it's used, of course, most uh, of those
1: times it's talking about God, uh, and keeping in mind the King James version was translated into English by people who were certainly not universalists <laughs> I understand large, but i my,
2: I understand that, but mm-hmm. what I'm saying is it, it sounds like even if etymologically there was some kind of reverse figure. In other words, uh, originally it's derived from there was a horizon uh, to there's no horizon by some kind of uh, figure of speech. That's how it came to have this sense. Still, when Joni uses it here, he intends to convey this this unending duration, but he does so for a, a rhetorical purpose, to convey... Uh, to convey the
1: quality of the the quality of the experience, I guess you could say
2: right so if if so that's it's possible the case.
1: This, so it's so context is what determines whether it's being used that way in a particular case
2: yeah, and then in in Habakkuk if again if it if the word means ancient and it has this durative sense uh it means from forever. Not, of course, uh, intending to deny special creation or even some non special creation. It, it, it simply means that these, uh, we would say that those hills have been there forever. They're ancient hills. Uh, they like the, we would, you know, the ancient But what hills it would mean are,
1: something actually quite different from forever compared to the way we use forever when we're talking about God in the very next word. Right.
2: In fact, that's that's his point, is to contrast the seeming uh, eternality of these hills with the real eternality of God who's going to destroy them.
1: I agree. Okay. In fact, it may even be a, a, a cons- it may, it's probably even a situation of where often you know, temples and things like that were built on hills. And you see a lot of complaints about this in the Old Testament about uh, pagan temples being built on hills. you are going up to the hills to go do this and you are going up the hills to go do that and I hate it! Ah, you know. Uh So, when the Lord comes, then these, these places that have been uh, raised up as pagan areas will be down, thrown down and overthrown. Uh, They're setting themselves up in contravention to God, in rebellion against God as being the real, as being uh, on par with God. And uh, when the real God comes, Bang! You know that's that's going to be them. <laughs> they're they're going to they will be destroyed with a, with a term that can also mean bowing down. Uh, so yeah, in that case, uh, there's even also a, a I would say there's very probably also implied a double meaning in the sense of of these are rebels who have set themselves to try to be like God, uh, but when the real God finally comes and shows up and 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 institutes the final judgment, then they're going to be thrown down and you know the 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 false eternality can't compete with the real one
2: okay uh excellent so let's uh let me let me ma- uh jump us back uh to matthew matthew mm-hmm. twenty five forty six because I think this is the uh I mean if I had to pick one strongest verse if you want to say strongest verse for for the uh the view that's obviously reflected in the King James translation uh mm-hmm. and you know I don't want to try to bias the whole thing cuz that's the way this particular translator translated it No but I understand. The uh I mean the the verse says these shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous and into life eternal. Now with in this particular verse You've argued uh, that, of course, just because the two things are side by side doesn't have to mean that they refer; they have the exact same meaning in terms of. And uh, I naturally agree with you that that in itself isn't, uh, you know, uh, doesn't remove all shadow of doubt. But what does this? uh, What is the sense of this? Is it a durative sense in Matthew twenty-five forty-six, or does it have some other sense when it says everlasting punishment?
1: I don't think the durative sense is the same as in both cases. If the word means one, if the word means only one thing in both cases, it would have to be from God. The durative sense is is in one case comparable; Uh, it 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 really does go on forever. The other one is not. It's not going to go on forever. However, I also pointed out that simply noticing that this could be the case by itself does not establish it. Uh, I said that it would have to be an argument from context, which is why on my main argument I spent no time (laughs) pretty much talking about what Ionian means and spent a lot of time talking about the story details.
2: All right, well, I think that's the, the last of my questions, so...
0: right that concludes part two of the debate um tune in to episode 61 the next episode in the feed for the for the third and final part of the debate containing questions and answers and concluding statements until then